Welcome to Crafting a Revolution. I'm your co-host, Katie Thompson. Here we share interviews with female and non-binary makers of all kinds from all over the world. I'm also the creator of the Women of Woodworking Project and Pen and Chisel, a digital journal created to highlight the work and stories of underrepresented voices in craft. Today, our guests on Crafting a Revolution are Erin Erber and Hanukkah Lawrence. They are both extremely talented furniture makers and graduates of the Krenov School. They've continued their journeys together in Fort Bragg, now post-graduation with the recent launch of their new business, Coast Collective. Coast Collective offers fine wooden furnishings from local Northern California artisans, offering makers a place to display their work and customers a place to get exclusive one-of-a-kind pieces from an especially curated selection of work. We'll hear more from Hanukkah and Aaron in just a moment, but first I'd like to make a huge shout out to our patrons on Patreon. Thank you to Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette at 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, yours truly at Women of Woodworking, Kevin at Lefty's Woodshop, Christy at Twisted Twine, Jeremy at Jeremy Speck, Sammy at Go Sammy Lee, Rachel at Moody Makes, Bonnie at Tool Mom Bonnie and ToolMomStore.com, Laura at Oakley Soap Company, Brandy at Studio Abe, Lee at the Rainbow Carver, Ellen at Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan at Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you again so much to our Patreons. If you'd like to join, make sure you go to Patreon and sign up to support the podcast. All right, let's get to our interview. All right, thank you all so much for tuning in with us today. Today, we finally have a conversation with Aaron Erber and Hanukkah Lawrence of Coast Collective. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Well, why don't we go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you have come to develop. I'm so interested to hear the inspiration and all the planning um, behind Coast Collective. It's, it's the work is beautiful. Um, your strategy, you know, your marketing and, and social media. I think the way you're working with artists is actually a really great model for other people to learn from. So, all right, before I get carried away, tell us a little bit about yourselves. <laughs> you go first, Erin. All right. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, we're both woodworkers. We went to the Krenov School. Um, I have a background in cabinetry and architectural woodworking as well after going to the school. Um, and we work out of a shop in Fort Bragg. So, um, yeah, that's basically generally what we're doing. And the idea came about, um, because I don't, I, I mean, we have this like really great woodworking community that we're a part of, and we see all these individual woodworkers making beautiful pieces and kind of like, uh, <laughs> it's like whittling away in obscurity sometimes, you know what I mean? And so we know all these really, really talented folks and it's so difficult to create a body of work um, 
market yourself and create a website, like all the different pieces to putting a, a lucrative business together. And so we thought that, you know, creating a body of work by like pooling everybody that we know <clears throat> would be a really effective way to sell furniture. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the impetus is, is just uh, creating a business model that uplifts our, our entire community. And like everyone benefits from it, we benefit from it and all the artisans benefit from it. And just working from that like community and working together and that positive, like uplifting, motivating force. So that was the idea, I think. Would you like to add to that, Hanukkah? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you've pretty much covered it. Um, I think, you know, I remember conversations, having conversations. When did we start? Like a year so and a half ago or whenever. <laughs> um, being like, we wish, or maybe it was me. I wish there was a place where we could sell our things. And like, you know, you know, people were like echoing, echoing that, like, we wish there was a place where we could sell our things together and wear this and wear that. And, you know, we could bring the community together and there was no such place. So we made that place. <laughs> um, so yeah, it just, it basically was born out of the need for it or what we felt was the need for it um, to, yeah, sort of like, bring our community together and sell places sell our pieces um you know as like sort of a, a group collection but also to be that um connecting fiber between um the people wanting the nice furniture and the people wanting to sell the nice furniture so we're seeing ourselves as being that like connection between uh, those two groups almost, or like hoping to be the connection, <laughs> aiming to be the connection. Knock on wood, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Well, <laughs> you know, and it, it does, it, there really is a need that's kind of, especially for fine woodworkers, particularly furniture makers, it's the eternal issue of how do I get my work in front of the people that want to see it and want to buy it. And we're living in a very interesting time of transition, I, I believe, within the greater craft community, um, the model of you know, studio furniture makers being kind of by themselves, you know, having to go to them directly and, and commission pieces and things like that, or going to um, the fine craft shows. That was another, another model used for years and years that has definitely undergone a transition over the past few years. And, um, so I, I am really impressed by you seeing this opportunity and, and being willing to go after that. I think it's hard, especially for artisans too, sometimes a lot of us get into this because we want to make, you know, and that's what we feel like we want to be doing all the time. And, and I still do as much as I love having this conversation with you and, and writing and doing all the things I do, nothing fulfills me like being down in my shop. So um, I, I do think that it is going to take a, a little bit of a, cultural shift and hopefully there will be more people that see what you are doing and are seeing that this is another way that you can be a part of this community and really bring people together. I think we're realizing how much we really need to, to build a stronger network and, and what we can provide to each other with that. Um, I, I, 
really like the idea of, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, really focusing on uplifting everyone. It's, and I think people really respond to that positively. It doesn't feel so self-serving as like, oh, another Instagram post or this, that, or trying to sell me something like, yes, you are trying to sell them something, but you're selling somebody else's work, somebody else's dream. And so people kind of view that differently, I think. So um, really interested to hear, you know, how you go about selecting work, how you find um, the artists in the collective. Please tell me more about that. You wanna, you wanna go for this one first? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's gonna be a lot of moments like that. We're like, um, <laughs> I think we're pretty lucky um, that we have this strong community around us. Um, both Erin and I do live in Fort Bragg um, at the moment. And not all of our artisans are based here, but we do, did keep it sort of um, geographically in the same pay, a place um, for now. Um, all of our artisans are Northern California based. So that was kind of one of the criteria for us because we do uh, have a photographer that photographs all the pieces for us because we wanted to keep the photography really consistent and the website sort of like very we had a, like a specific look in mind that we wanted to have the website to have. So that is really the only requirement right now. So we selected, I think we have 12 artisans. Um, and to be honest, it's mostly people or all of them are people that we know um, and that we talk to to go into this like early stages of this new adventure with us so it was based on um criteria of their work we wanted to select artisans from like a variety of styles um and then also yeah so it's like based on the quality of work i think was really the main requirement and then also northern california based and then yeah as i said because we both went to the Cranoff School, we, we are lucky to have this like amazing community of woodworkers, really inspiring people that we know. So I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Erin. Um, I think it is, it's like, it's really about the quality of work. And I think um, curating um, a collection that that does have a lot of different styles. So like, it's it's not just based on on one person's um, design um, vision or design aesthetic. It really kind of runs the gamut. So we have sculptural pieces, we have traditional style pieces. There's a lot of minimalist pieces, um, and so there's a lot to kind of um, pick and choose from for almost anyone. Um, to, to shop with us. Um, and I don't know, I think that uh, that lends itself to being, you know, a little more accessible too. Um, so, yeah. No, I, I love the idea of a collection not having this one you know, cohesive thing that ties it all together. What, what makes it a collection is that they're all so beautifully unique. And you mentioned the photography. I do love the thoughtfulness that goes into the images that I've seen just on social media and everything. 
you really see the personality of the maker and the piece, but it does very much say Coast Collective. You know, I can kind of tell when it's one of one of your images, and that's just really brilliant. You know, and especially branding wise, um, really advanced, <laughs> honestly. So, um, so I, I love that, and then also um, very intrigued at um, you know saying you know starting with artisans, you know, in one particular area. I see how that could be extremely beneficial um, for local artisans, you know, normally you're facing, you know, shipping fees or show fees and lots of distance and all the extra, you know, costs that come into that. This is, this does really make it more accessible um, for both the customer and the artist. I'm really interested, is there anything that you have learned um, or have discovered that clients are looking for or have a need for um, in this process so far. I think a lot of times being in this industry, we're, we're always very much wrapped up in ourselves. I mean, that's, that's what we do, we make. Um, <clears throat> have you learned anything kind of unique or unexpected from the client customer side of things? I think that's probably going to happen a little long down the road once we become more established and sell more pieces. That's definitely a discussion that we've had. Um, it's it's important to watch what sells, you know, watch what wood sells, watch what styles sell, watch what artisans sell, um, and be able to bring that feedback to our artisans so people can then tailor what they make. If, I mean, if they want to, because it really is up to the artists and what they make. We give them carte blanche to design and build what they make, except for a few requirements for shipping. Like we don't want gigantic things that have to be freighted. Um, so yeah, I think that comes with time because we are just really starting out. <laughs> so all those um, analytics haven't been worked out, but we are definitely going to be paying attention. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I agree with Erin. I think we're, it's very early days still, so we are very curious ourselves. You want to know, but um, yeah, we we really put our sort of our trust in the artisan in terms of like the quality of work that we know they can produce and then yeah as Erin says we just kind of let them make what their heart desires and I think it will naturally you know once we sort of get going and the the ball starts rolling a little more like naturally I think that will just like sort of like almost organically feed into people's thoughts and what they're thinking of making and all of that stuff too so um yeah I think there will definitely be some like trickle down effect um you know once we once we get a little bit more established wonderful well I'm I'm excited to to see what y'all discover and um you certainly seem well poised to adapt to whatever is kind of comes your way so in addition to this collection, are customers able, able to come in and say, I really like this piece, but I need it this way? Or are they able to kind of commission things with the artists themselves? How is your model set up that way? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, we, we make it clear on the website that people can also, you know, they can 
request something in a different wood if the artisan is willing to make it in that wood or has the time you know depending on the lead times and stuff like that and then also people can come to us and um do like completely from scratch commissions as well so um so yeah so we still sort of like figuring out like I know often interior designers want something like very sort of they're looking for like something very specific so yeah we we're very open to all of the things and um just kind of seeing seeing and adapting and where where this is going to lead us we we're very much putting our time and our energy into these pieces that have been created that are existing already this sort of you know click and buy model you don't have to wait um we can ship things pretty much immediately but then also very much open to commissions yeah so many exciting things to discuss there i know like um just from like an interior design industry point of view i mean what a resource to be able to go and say my client wants this in wood who do you write you know you can direct them you're going to know i mean that's that's so valuable um and also really makes your business model very dynamic and appealing you know it's it's don't put all your eggs in one basket kind of deal um, and then also for customers too, you know, there's some, a, a lot of customers are like, I, I know I love this, but I don't really don't know what I want. So um, that's, that's really exciting. And um, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, um, where y'all go from, from here. And as far as what benefits um, come from being such a multifaceted, you know, design business. Another thing kind of getting into more personal things with y'all now, you're both furniture makers, you know, designers, extremely talented in your own right. Um, and you talk about quality of work, you know, I mean, the, with the Krenov school right there, I mean, you really can't go wrong. Pretty much everyone that graduates from there is, is top tier as far as the, the type of quality of work that's put out and um, really uh, seeing the full self of the maker in the pieces that come out of there. So um, how is this, I'd love to hear from you both on this, how is this affecting your own creative work and process. I'm sure it's taking you a lot of time away from that, but um, <laughs> other, than, other than that, um, how, how has that been affecting your own your own creative work? Go for it, Erin. Um, okay, so personally, I mean, it's kind of funny because, you know, I, I see it as, um, <clears throat> kind of like, you know, as a maker, you kind of have to have like multiple ways to make money and multiple streams of income. I mean, you know, anybody in a small business has to kind of do that. And so it's this like multifaceted thing that I see. And for me, Coast Collective is that place where I can put spec work. And so um, I hope eventually <laughs> for me, I'm like, you know, uh, pulled in so many different directions at the moment where it can be kind of hard to, to like really concentrate on the spec work and do something creative and fun. However, that is the idea of where it is a place that I can kind of really nerd out, really geek out and really spend some time 
designing something that is from the heart um, and is, you know, a creative expression. Um, and so that, that for me is how I see Coast Collective as an outlet for me personally. And, and the rest of it is just, you know, making connections and, and getting commission work and all that type of stuff so that I can pay rent and continue with Coast Collective. <laughs> you know. <laughs> the circle of life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think um, for me, yeah, similar thing, you know, it's a, it's a part of what I do. Um, it has certainly, you know, eaten up, not eaten, but taken quite a lot of our time. Starting a business is time consuming. But, you know, it's also been really fun just learning, you know, all sorts of other things and uh, what, what starting a business like entails and the website and the photography and everything that kind of goes along with it and working with the artisans. And yeah, it's been very insightful for sure. Um, so it's been hard and time consuming, but also very, you know, very good in terms of like learning new, new skills. So I really, really enjoy that part of it. Erin um, and I work out of the same communal wood shop. Um, we each have a bench there, which is not related to Coast Collective, but um, we just happen to work out of the same, same local shop here in Fort Bragg. Yeah, so it, I think it has uh, influenced sort of like maybe how I think of the industry and my knowledge of the industry in general I think I've been very you know focused on like doing research and like you know we're trying to make connections with people in the design industry and all of that stuff so I think that's been very interesting to me and no doubt is going to influence subconsciously what I make and you know what what I put out there I think I think that's probably the biggest sort of influence or change I can see is just I'm so much more aware of like what is out there I think now um and yeah I think that is definitely gonna have an effect on me and what I produce what I decide to make like whether I want wanted to or not <laughs> um but yeah, I feel like, I feel like that, that wiggle shelf was like a step away from, from Krenov, like, like, you know, the Krenov style and the Krenov way of working and like definitely more leaning towards like your, um, background in fashion design for, I mean, just from the outside, like looking in, like I found it. <laughs> I mean, it was, it's such a cool piece and so unique and, um, I don't know. I just, I, that's my take on your squiggle shelf, but maybe you have some different thoughts. Yeah, I think like, um, sort of like, I may be a little bit more interested now in like, you know, blurring the lines between like furniture and art and where no. I don't know if I was quite so open to that before, but like maybe just more open is a um, is a good way of saying it. I'm just going to close this curtain behind me. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, no problem. 
super bright. <laughs> no, that's a, a great point because um, the model you set up for your artists to be able to kind of, you know, make something that really speaks to them and, you know, you select that and put that in there um, really kind of bridges the gap. I know it's always a challenge for furniture makers. You know, you want to make your art and what you envision and what you feel called to do, but you also have to pay the bills. And so sometimes that takes jobs that aren't so exciting or aren't in the style that you'd prefer. Um, and eventually, yeah, you do get enough commissions and you build those relationships with people that appreciate your style, you know, and that does take time. But I, I see what y'all are doing and that's really helping to bridge the gap and, and provide that open outlet for artists. And so it's interesting and lovely to hear that, that you both view that also personally as artists and business owners. And the wiggle shelf was, was just lovely. I, that we had that, yeah. was that the feature Friday piece that I, you would post it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like post this. It's amazing. <laughs> but yeah but that's that's awesome that's that's really good that you know that's translating into to your creative life too so as someone um small business owners kind of just starting out do you have any advice uh for someone that is starting a small business um or even um furniture makers you know and in particular artists that might be looking to create work to get into a gallery or a place like Coast Collective? Any advice? Um, wow, that's that's a big... <sighs> um, in starting a business, it, it, uh, it's a willingness to put in a lot of grunt work and a lot of hours, um, as I'm sure you know, Katie. <laughs> And um, in terms of advice for makers, you know, that's a hard one because everyone's path is different. Um, that's kind of one of those like jokes when you're, so I'm not a joke, but like harsh realities when you leave the Kronoff school, it's kind of like, well, what do you do? You've gained all these amazing, amazing skills. And you're like, I'm tuned up like a fiddle right now to produce like really, really fine work. And the industry really isn't geared towards fine work. We're, we live in a capitalist society, you know, a lot of furniture is outsourced overseas in, for production. And, um, and so it's hard to compete with that because the price difference is going to be so different. And um, there's kind of a lull in people wanting finely crafted furniture too. So, so there's this piece of like, well, okay, you have all these skills, <clears throat> but the industry is this way. And so what do you do? My reaction was to go work for a cabinet shop because I thought I needed to learn more tricks of the trade. I needed to um, gain skills to be able to work faster because at the Kronov school, you're like really slow. It's beautiful and it's lovely. 
And it's like such a treat and a treasure to be able to, to slow down and do things really slowly and finally. Um, but I was like, I want to learn how to do things faster. And so, so that's what I did. I learned how to do things faster. I learned a lot of tricks of the trade. Um, and I, and I made connections in the industry as well. And so those connections like will, you know, they're lifetime connections and they help Coast Collective. They help me personally. Um, and so I think, you know, everyone's path is different and everyone's needs coming out of or like going into being a maker are going to be different. So, you know, some people want to make chopping blocks and knives and like more functional items. And that's really great, but that's more tailored towards, you know, craft shows and things like that. Um, so it's, it's none of it's wrong. <laughs> it's kind of like, you kind of have to figure out what works for you and what works for your needs as a craftsperson. Um, I think Coast Collective, especially coming out of a place like Krenov School, gives people maybe um, a, like a little start to explore what it means to create furniture for a living. You know, if they're able to create that beautiful thing that they really want to create, here's a place where um, what we hope happens, here's a place where things sell relatively well and um and there's there's that like thread like Hanukkah said but um yeah it's it's a difficult it's a difficult road because there isn't just one way to do it so we hope to kind of be <clears throat> another way into being a craftsperson You want to add to that? <laughs> it's kind of like, like weird. <laughs> um, um, I don't know if I really have that much advice. The only thing I can really say is like, I think in small business and like learning a craft or a skill, it's just uh, really putting in the time. Um, and, you know, everyone aren't like, as privileged as I was to be able to go to the Krenov school to dedicate like time to like pure, pure learning. <laughs> but like, if you can do it through an apprenticeship or, you know, getting a job where you can maybe partially learn as well or watching YouTube videos or whichever way for me, like, you know, putting, putting time in and like learning is really important. And, um, I'm still learning. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a piece of advice, maybe, but that's the only thing that I have to add, really. <laughs> no, it, that is a great piece of advice. You both actually offered really great points. You know, um, small business owners definitely aren't for the faint of heart. There's so much blood, sweat, and tears and hours spent on things you never imagined stressing out about, you know, um, it, it's, it's definitely a challenge. Um, but you also raise good, good points about there, there is no one right path and we all kind of have to find our way. And I think that's why I've really loved, you know, the woodworking community and the craft community as, as a whole is there really is room for everyone. 
but there, you know, the challenge is none of us have the the secret answer either. You know, it's like if if we did, we'd all be millionaires type deal. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you both raised really great points on just the the dynamics of working in this industry, and then also, um, I love the idea of being a pipeline for new artisans that are coming out and emerging designers that you know might have a really creative spec piece in mind and can't find a client or you know the right opportunity and it, it could be there um it's it's really great and i think what you're doing shows it is a great example of that that we really can make our own way and do our own things um which i think is a great segue into <laughs> my next question um going to a school like the Krenov school and, and having an instructor like Laura Mays, I mean, it had to just be like every day, a transcendental experience. I, I don't know. I'm like getting goosebumps, just like hearing y'all talk about it. Um, having, you know, leaving such a supportive situation like that, has there been any challenges or experiences you've had as women in the industry um, and coming in with this new idea? Um, any experiences you'd like to share? Um, I can say that it it uh, in the trades, I probably felt uh, like you know different because um, it's been a few years now working in custom cabinetry and architectural woodworking and you know, you're like the only woman on the job and you're like, got like the flooring guy, the plumber, and you're like, I'm the cabinet person. And um, so there's been some, I don't want to go into like details, sure. <laughs> but there's been some experiences. Uh, I mean, and honestly, there's been some of those experiences, but for the most part, like my relationship with Ed Welch, who owns Dovedale Construction, who hired me right out of the Krenov School, like, you know, I didn't know if I could do it physically, like lifting sheets of ply, breaking down sheets of ply for, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week. I was like, I'm not sure. And so, you know, and you don't see women doing that or a lot, like we know a couple around here, but you know, it's just not something you see all the time. You don't know if it's, if it's because it's a physical thing or if it's because it's just been the way that it's been because it's the trades. And so um, it was really intimidating to go into the, a shop with like <laughs> five older men and me, <laughs> it's like the noob and, but, like Ed, like all those guys were so, so supportive and like really, really did believe in me. And they continue to be supportive of, of what we're doing. And like, um, even in the trades and stuff like that. So while like on site, there can be like weird moments because you're like on site with a bunch of different like trades people. Um, for the most part, it's it's been a supportive situation, but it doesn't ever take away from the fact that I've always been 
I'm like trying to think back, like, was there ever another woman on site with me? And no, it's never, I've never worked on a job site where um, there's another woman. So, you know, you just always feel like another, but um, Laura's influence at the Kronoff school, just her presence there attracts women. Like it is so important to be able to see yourself doing the thing that you want to do because when you don't see yourself like when I was going into the trades I I honestly didn't know if I could do it just because I'm like who does this? <laughs> like I don't see myself doing this so how can I know that this is a possible thing for me um so yeah Laura's just Laura's presence at the school is huge for, for women in the industry. Um, yeah, I think for me, it's maybe a little bit different than for Erin, because I don't have so much experience in the trades as she does. Um, so my, honestly, my woodworking journey has mostly been here in Fort Bragg, where there's an extremely supportive, um, woodworking community for for me I can only speak for myself um so yeah starting at the Cranoff school and I have always felt although I was very whatever the opposite of confident is unconfident <laughs> <laughs> um you know going to this school I, I felt very like supported by all of the instructors and the you know men women all of my sort of cohorts there and then coming out of the school there's just been you know there's just such a supportive supportive community here of like people that you can borrow tools from or like if you have a question <laughs> so many questions that you can get answered by whoever is the specialist in um in doing the thing that you have the question about um and i've never felt um yeah i've never felt really treated differently because i'm a woman in sort of the you know this community that we have here but I can totally imagine that yeah in the trades very different story <laughs> um so yeah personally I've had I've had good experiences um so yeah well thank you both for for sharing I mean I know I, especially with the Women of Woodworking Project, I've always tried to take a very positive, supportive lens, but also acknowledging like, hey, this this is still happening. This is not good, you know? And, um, and thank you both for being like so open and actually like very vulnerable about your experiences, like coming into this, you know, um, it can feel very intimidating. And I look at myself now having been, you know, woodworking or in the community for, 10 years. Oh my gosh, already. Wow. Um, yeah. More than that. <laughs> anyway, um, I feel very spoiled now, I often say, because like most of my job is to talk to other minority woodworkers. So like in my world, I feel like completely surrounded and very supported. Um, but that's also why it's so important that we have these conversations and, and encourage inclusion and representation because Aaron, you said, like, I hadn't seen a woman on the job site before. A lot of people, if they don't see themselves, they don't think they can, can do it, you know? And um, 
even just sharing experiences can trigger someone to say, hey, maybe, maybe I can hang that shelf in my bathroom, or maybe I, I can do this, you know, in small ways, sharing your story can make a big impact on people. And the really beautiful thing is that we don't always see the positive effects, you know, mm -hmm. like there's so many people out there that will hear this or see what you're doing and learn about what you're doing and we'll make a change or some, you know, do it, it will impact them in some way and we'll never even know, but that's, that's the beauty of it, you know? Um, so thank you both for, for sharing that. Um, well, you know, I would love to hear more about how folks can get in touch with you, um, kind of what your future plans are. I know y'all are just getting started. So you're, you know, I think just launching a recent collection. Um, tell us a little bit about what you got going on and how people can see what's what's happening at Coast Collective. Um, I'll, I'll start. <laughs> um, so our website is um, coastcollective.us. Um, and we currently have, we just launched our second collection. So we have about 20 something pieces of furniture on there that's available to buy straight away. Um, in terms of, yeah, so I guess sort of like a general, sort of like the broad plan is to, you know, keep, keep releasing more collections, hopefully expand, you know, the areas where we are um drawing these artisans from like maybe southern california include that you know we still have to sort of like figure all of those things out um but yeah more collections more artisans is sort of the, the general future plan but yeah you can go to coastcollective.us um our email address is hello at coastcollective.us if you want to drop us a note or have a question or anything like that and our Instagram is <laughs> coastcollective.us, right? <laughs> Do you have any more future plan thoughts or things? Future plan. I know. I think you covered it. You know, yeah. I mean, we, we want to continue doing what we're doing and, um, you know, continue to expand the reach and the artisans and um, yeah, I think that's that's what we're hoping for. We got big plans, we got big hopes. <laughs> Absolutely, and I definitely think y'all can do it. And uh, knowing, you know, just pulling from Northern California, you know, y'all haven't even gotten to the whole state. I mean, the West Coast has such a rich abundance of woodworkers and furniture makers. Um, I envy the job ahead of you because it sounds like so much fun, but I also know the amount of work and like the tough decisions that y'all have to make on a day-to-day -day basis that are, that are pretty challenging. So, um, I'm just very grateful to both of you for taking the time to sit down and, and talk with me and, um, with the crafting a revolution community and women of woodworking. Um, mm -hmm. it's just, um, I, I really admire what you're doing and I'm so excited to see what comes next for both of you as artists and then also for Coast Collective. So thanks so much. Well, thank you. We really appreciate the, the, um, ability to kind of like spread the word about Coast Collective and 
in what we're doing because you know it's all it's all for the artisans yeah thank you so much it's was lovely meeting you and yeah thanks for taking the time to chat with us great thank you both so much thank you <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into our interview with Aaron and Hanukkah of Coast Collective. I will include the links on where to follow them in the show notes for today's episode. If you don't know where to find the show notes, check out the podcast app you're listening on. In the podcast description, there should be links, or you can find it in the description box down below on YouTube, or you can head to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast and find this week's episode and past episodes and links there too. Be sure to follow along on Instagram at Crafting of Revolution. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe and follow. Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. We sincerely appreciate the support. Thanks again for tuning in. Let's go craft a revolution. She, her, they, they got something.